Hello, and welcome to episode 195 of the official EstablishedRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today we have the man you know, the man you love, the man we love. It is Mike Leone. Mike, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, you know, in the uh, best ball streets right now, dynasty stuff going around, which I know you're pumped about the dynasty virgins content. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a great time for fantasy football. And Leone invited me to this like virgin laden uh, dynasty league last year. And I just show up, you know, just win it. No big deal. Actually, I think I got second. I think Amico actually got first, but. A good cash. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> uh, anyways, Evan, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, it's good to, you know, we've annually now at this point, we have an internal friction between the football guys and the, the numbers guys. And it's good to every once in a while, and I emphasize every once in a while, bring the, the spread, the, the soulless spreadsheeters onto the, onto the, into the big leagues uh, to mix it up. So, you know, I hope, Leone, you've, you know, as it started to warm up a little bit, you've been able to get outside and touch some grass and, you know, feel like what the feel like what it's like out there in the real world, uh, because but I'm, I'm ready to mix it up, man. Let's let's get after uh, it. For those of you guys watching on YouTube, I mean, Leone's skin is just translucent. I mean, he hasn't been outside in, in like six months. Look at him. I was like going to ask Luke about my lighting. Like, I mean, I got to switch it up. I look like a ghost every time I – I've got another light right in front of me, but it's too hot in my office to turn it on. Oh, man, this is bad. Dude, I already played a three-set tennis match outside of 90-degree 90 90 degree heat this morning. Look at my skin. Okay. Uh, today, you're going to talk about a format – that I think is getting more and more popular. We've had a bunch of questions about it for content about it. it is two quarterback and or super flex formats. Our rankings for this format are up on the site. The goal in today's show will be to give a little bit more context on the strategy and talk about some quarterbacks we like for the two quarterback format, guys we wouldn't normally talk about in a one quarterback format. Before we get into it, the Discord, yes, the Established to Run Discord is popping. If you are a subscriber of any kind and you haven't logged into the Discord, and believe me, I know as a stone boomer, it can be overwhelming and hard to get into, but I can assure you once you get in there, it's really easy. If you're a subscriber and you're not in the Discord, I think you're missing out on some value. Second of all, this podcast is indeed brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Best way to get ready for the season, in my opinion, is to be in the real money best ball streets. You can upload our rankings for the underdog format and get a really good feel for how you and the market view players. All ETR draft kit subs get $10 to use on underdog for free. If you're a new player on underdog, you get $35 for free, aka a free draft kit. Okay, let's get into it here. First of all, Leone, I think a good place to start with this whole 2QB format thing is how valuable are quarterbacks on a relative basis. In other words, in our normal half PPR rankings, our first quarterback checks in at like 44th, 45th overall. But in two quarterback rankings, and I haven't checked them actually, I think we may have pushed an update. But as I looked at them over the last week, in our two quarterback rankings, we had seven, seven in the first 17 spots. So how do you think about relative quarterback value in two quarterback formats? Yeah, the scarcity just changes completely. When you're in a one quarterback league and a normal 12 team league, you've got some pretty high upside quarterbacks around QB 12, even going into QB 16. So that's already beyond your filled starting positions. And then if you think about it too, just draft strategy, it is very difficult to replace not taking a running back early. You know, it's just hard to find those guys. Like, like even in the seventh, eighth round, some of these running backs wide receivers these guys are going to get dropped you know stone dropped whereas at quarterback 
there's guys on the waivers with starting jobs and, you know, and every quarterback too kind of has like this decently high base level of points scored. Of course, Mahomes is going to outscore Baker Mayfield by quite a bit, but you don't have to worry about putting in a guy that might be a zero like you do at some of the other positions. So that's why you can take him so late in one quarterback leagues, but it completely changes in two quarterback leagues where now you're going 24 deep. So now people are starting guys like the pure pocket passers, the Kirk Cousins of the world who you know, don't have a ton of upside. And if somebody goes down and people are carrying backup quarterbacks, you can't go to the wire and just throw somebody in. So the scarcity changes rather dramatically, which is what pushes up these quarterbacks from saying, hey, don't take one until at least round six, maybe even later to okay, you know, there's some viable options you could even take in the first two rounds. Well, let me ask you this then. If you get a top three pick, do you go CMC, Dalvin, Big Dog, Kamara? I mean, if you do that, I think that's fine, but you're missing out on a lot of quarterbacks. You're not even going to have a chance to take Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler, Lamar, Dak, Herbert, Wilson. Like you're missing out on, on that whole thing. So I know our rankings have running backs going early. How do you feel about in practice taking running backs if you take the first three, first four pick? I like taking the running back still, you know, getting that anchor running back as I've looked at it. And, you know, I just did a startup dynasty draft too. That was super flex. You know, obviously it's different than redraft, but what I found is people are, I think, devaluing some of the mid-tier quarterbacks, especially the ones that have some rushing upside and they're valuing the premier quarterbacks appropriately. So I do think Alan Mahomes, they should go in the first round, but if I can get Jalen Hurts, in the fourth, you know, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I think there's a big edge this mm-hmm. year in planning in almost any format your drafts around some of these rookie quarterbacks with the rushing upside. So because I know I, I can get value on the mid-tier quarterbacks later, I'm okay passing on Mahomes or Allen, even though they're fine in a vacuum to take there. So I can like lock down that running back that I know I really can't replace later. I think even in the, in the two quarterback leagues, those bell cow running backs that have a chance at, you know, 350 touches are still so rare, you know, the such strong position scarcity and and move the needle so much that they still belong, you know, in the, in to, to encompass the first half of the second round. I think it's worth emphasizing though, that the depth of the position is exactly why, and I, Leone touched on this, but I, I think it's worth emphasizing the depth of the position at quarterback is exactly why you can stream in one quarterback leagues. I mean, JJ Zacharyson built an entire brand off that idea. And it's because of the depth of the position at quarterback. And really it technically it gets deeper every single year. And especially with NFL teams embracing the dual threat quarterbacks, um, because for a long time in the league, you know, it was considered to be, you needed a drop back passer, you know, Hey, you know, it's, it's eventually it's going to get third and third and 10 and you need a guy who can drop back and, and make the throws on third and 10. Well, now teams are realizing, Hey, you know, we need to win on early down so we don't get to third and 10. These dual threat quarterbacks can boost our running game. We're embracing them. You see, you know, uh, Justin Fields going at, uh, at number 11, you see Trey Lance going at number three overall, you know, the, these teams have really embraced, quarterbacks that are not really thought of as traditional drop back passers. And we know how studly these, these guys, these guys have changed the game in fantasy too. For sure. One more macro thing I want to talk about in practice. When you do a two quarterback draft, there's going to be runs because people panic, right? Like they understand there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. So it feels way more reactionary than a one quarterback draft. It's like, Oh shit, there's only 
I don't know, XYZ let guys, quarterbacks left. I better take one. And the next thing you know, you're using a third round pick on like Matt Ryan or Trevor Lawrence when you could have had like Justin Jefferson or Keenan Allen. I mean, what what do you think about that spot, Leonie, where like you're running out of quarterbacks to take, you can have this sick wide receiver or running back, but instead you're taking a quarterback just because you need playable options. Are you following what I'm saying in terms of yeah. position runs? You, you need to have to do your best to be in touch with what your league's going to do. And there's always an advantage from having different values in the market, especially if you think you're marketing, you know, you're valuing stuff appropriately and the market's not, but it's kind of one of those things where like there's, you reach a point, there's a diminishing point of returns where if you're so detached from the market, like if you think they're undervaluing quarterbacks like crazy and you take Mahomes in some of the first two rounds and no one takes quarterbacks to round six, like you're drawing dead because everyone's got, like good quarterbacks and crushed you at the other positions. And then the opposite that you mentioned could happen too, where, you know, you think they're overvaluing quarterbacks and then you get stuck and you have to start two quarterbacks, you know, whether it's super flex or two quarterbacks, you have to start two because the base level points of that position is so high. So I like to factor in ADP into some of our ranks. I think that's really important in two quarterback leagues. We've got the sleeper ADP in our rankings, but nothing really can replace just understanding the league you play in. So if you played in leagues before, you can kind of know the pockets of the draft where the quarterbacks are going to go. If you look at auction values, you know, I mentioned that dynasty league I just did. I got caught where the first few quarterbacks I had valued about what they went for. So I was like, okay, good. I'm like on par with the market. And then I, you know, took a couple quarterbacks and then there were some mid tier guys I liked late that just went for so cheap. And I was just kicking myself because I already spent all this money and couldn't take another one. So you got to do your best to sort of feel out your league. And I know you don't want to be a lemming, but it's okay to jump in the middle of a run. You know, like, yeah. I don't know if I want to be starting the run. I don't want to be at the end of the run. I'm okay being kind of in the middle and just grabbing my value based on, you know, the guys I like most. Uh, where do you think exactly? So there, there's a cliff drop at, at these onesie positions, right? I mean, like at tight end, you know, I think it's like um, maybe right in the range of, uh, the two Patriots tight ends, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And then after that, it gets real ugly. And you, you you pretty much don't want any part of those guys. At the quarterback position, I think it's similar. If you just want to bring up, you know, your your quarterback rankings. I and mean, where do you think that, that that cliff drop lies? Would it be, you know, like you – yeah, I, I think, think ideal, ideally you want to try to grab, you know, like an, an elite to – I don't know, like a, like a top eight guy and number eight being like, let's say um, Jalen Hurts. You know, I, ideally, I think you want to grab a, a top eight guy and then pair him with a guy that you think is a good value, maybe in the, you know, in the quarterback 12 through 20, you know, 24 range or something like that. But there is a cliff drop where you can get caught and you just you don't want any part of these guys. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at your quarterback tiers. Uh, if I can get you know, a tier one quarterback in round two, I'm jumping on it. You know, maybe you can get Lamar or Dak there. I think there's a tier drop off, a pretty big clip drop off in upside after like you've got Burrow, Tannehill, the rookie quarterbacks. Maybe you could throw Stafford in there. Maybe Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield. I'd probably keep them in there. And then I think there starts to be a drop off where like two is fringy. And then you're into Wentz, Cousins kind of, you know, once you get into pure pocket passers like Cousins and Derek Carr, things get a little shaky. And these guys have value in a two-quarterback league, but yeah, ideally you at least want your first 
you know, prior to that, I'm probably QB 15. You know, I probably want one of the top 15 QBs. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about some actual players here that we're probably not going to talk about much for the rest of the offseason. But in this specific format, I think it's at least worth mentioning. You, you, Evan, you said a cliff drop. I agree with you. However, I do think these quarterbacks that I'm going to mention here are in play in this format. Nobody wants to hear it, man. You can get Daniel Jones. His ADP is QB 22 right now. I don't know where he goes in a 2QB league exactly. Maybe the 8th, ninth round. I don't know. I don't have a great feel for it. I understand the offensive line is concerned. I understand Jason Garrett is concerned. This late in a two-quarterback format, we can still get a rushing floor and ceiling out of Daniel Jones. 27 NFL games, Daniel Jones has rushed for 26 yards per game, three touchdowns. He had three games last year with 60 or more rushing yards. So when we say pure pocket passer, I don't think that necessarily applies to Daniel Jones. Now he brings back Saquon. Let's add in Kenny Galladay. Let's add in Kadarius Tony. Let's add in Kyle Rudolph. I mean, I, you know, in a two QB format, if I were to say, use a first round pick on a quarterback, and then it gets to me in the second and third round, and I have these outrageous wide receiver and running back options, and I end up passing on quarterback there, and then I can get Daniel Jones later. How bad do you think that is, Evan? And uh, do you think Daniel Jones is even in play for two quarterback leagues? I would rather hear Leone talk about this. Honestly, I'm just going <laughs> to kick this question to Leone. I, I'm just worried that Daniel Jones stinks. Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone who's starting is you know going to be viable in two quarterback leagues. You know, as we mentioned, like there's, there's not going to be people on the waivers. I do think there's a strategy in play where you grab one really high upside quarterback and then you take three quarterbacks total and you take a couple of these guys late. It lets you play matchups. If one of them busts, you've still got someone else to fill in. It lets you cover the bye weeks. And I think Daniel Jones is in that range. Like I'd much rather take a swing on Daniel Jones than I think Derek Carr. You know, I think yeah. regressing Raiders offense, Carr's not going to run. Give me Daniel Jones, maybe even Zach. Yeah. Zach Wilson, I think might have more rushing upside than people think, just given his athleticism. So these guys are in play. I know you know you you like Fitzmagic too, I believe, as one of your guys yeah. here. But I mean, yeah, just I, I don't like Darnold too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So guys that I think you can throw flyers at in two quarterbacks. The ones that I picked out would be Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Th those would be the four that it's like. And, and I, I like Leonie's idea of ending up with three. If you take one of those guys as yeah. your second one, but I think Zach Wilson's going to run. If, if you're I, taking these guys, you have to have three guys. I mean, yeah. some of these guys like job security start to starts to come and play. Like like yeah. like they could get benched if if they play poorly enough. You know. Yeah. By the way, on Zach Wilson, just real quick, have you ever seen less hype around a number two overall pick than Zach Wilson? Like everybody just assumes he's just going to stone fail. I don't know what you think about him, Evan, or his spot, but like I don't think he's just going to like fall on his face completely. I don't think everyone assumes that he's going to stone fail. Um, Not Salfino and the Jets fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Salfino. <laughs> I mean, Salfino. Um, he is. I. I, I don't. I, I. don't get that same impression. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think he's set up. I, I think people are opti I mean, I, th I. People should be optimistic about the Jets. I think that they've built pretty smartly under under Joe Douglas. They. Yeah. They've been aggressive, very aggressive. Maybe in some cases too aggressive in addressing their offensive line. Um, really like the Elijah Moore pick. Uh, like the Denzel Mims pick last year. Uh, I like the Corey Davis pickup. You know, he was top five in yards per route run this past year, and he's still. I mean, he's. I, I, you know, he's, he's a player that definitely started his career off slowly, but I mean, he was a top five pick in the draft. Um, I, I think they've done a good job of building around Zach Wilson and I, I I'm optimistic about him. 
Yeah. I mean, if Crowder stays, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Chris Herndon, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, like, you know, that Becton, I, I think that they're set up. I think Zach Wilson is set up reasonably. And people are going to be surprised, I think, at how much he can scramble around uh, and make plays with his legs. The Darnold thing, I mean, I'll, here's what I'll say on Darnold. Teddy Bridgewater was quarterback 22 in fantasy points per game last year. That was without Christian McCaffrey. And now, you know, I think Darnold might actually be better from a raw talent perspective than Teddy Bridgewater. He gets Christian McCaffrey back, add in Terrace Marshall, bring in Dan Arnold. You just get away from Adam Gaze. So I think that Sam Darnold can be a top 20 fantasy quarterback or somewhere around there. Uh, The the, the guy who I think everybody seems to be pessimistic about it, I know we talk about him every show, but that's Tua. Yeah, and, and right now, I mean, you know, and I'm going to put the Dolphins in, in my sneaky stacks article this year because Love you it. can get all these dudes so cheap. I mean, it's crazy how late Devontae Parker goes, I yeah. think. Um, Tua is for, for, you know, essentially for free. Uh, Mike Jasicki goes really, really late in drafts. You know, Will Fuller, I mean, I'm probably too low on him. I've got him at wide receiver 41. His, his uh, consensus ADP right now at, fo- at football guys on FFPC is wide receiver 42. He's, he's very, very cheap. Uh, Jalen Waddle isn't particularly expensive. Uh, Miles Gaskin, and I understand the hesitancy. He was the uh, PPR RB8 per game last year when he was in there, only played t- 10 games. But, man, when he was in there, he was a usage monster, and they, they didn't bring in guys to, um, you know, to, to really push him hard. So um, I, I, I like that. I, I don't know. I mean, I want to hear Leone on the Dolphins, I guess. I'm with you on the Dolphins. I think people are being too hard on Tua. You know, he didn't have a normal offseason last year. He had a pretty significant injury that he was coming back from. I think he made some comments about not knowing the playbook as well as he should have, which is on him. But there are definitely reasons to think like we shouldn't be out on Tua yet. And if we're not out on Tua yet, a guy that was, what, fifth overall pick, second quarterback in that draft, look at the weapons around him. You just went through them all. They're all at good prices. They're all pretty – I mean, Fuller and Waddle, like that's game-changing upside from those positions. And Miami's a team that has shown they will have, you know, a higher pass rate over expectation. I think if Tua – you know, if they take the kid gloves off and if Tua's ready for it, they could throw a lot more than people think. Yeah. I actually, if your league mates, one of the huge edges in a two QB format would be your league mates under underrating fields, Trey Lance and Tua. That would be like the biggest edge in two QB formats. If you could get those guys in rounds three or four. And one of the reasons we want to do this podcast was to just put context around two QB rankings. You know, you cannot go straight off of the rankings in a two QB format. You have to be aware of what your opponents are doing, maybe more than any other format. And so, yeah, the fields, Lance and Tua to me would just be like, just a dream to get as the QB too. Well, Lance is already a guy that that uh, Leone and I have debated back and forth a little bit, and Leone thinks I have him way too low, and I, I totally understand why. Um, once he gets in there, he's going to be an absolute. I mean, he has a chance to like finish like whenever he gets in, whether it's week two or I think their bias like week six, and then he gets in there in week seven. Like after that, all bets are off. He could be a top five quarterback the rest of the way. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan system, he gets dropped in to like just an incredibly favorable quarterback friendly situation where all he's got to do is get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, Debo, IU, Kittle. These are that's the best run after catch trio in the entire league. And I'm not sure it's even particularly close. So when when he gets in there, he is going to be set up for success. 
The question is, and the reason that I have him low is because that same those same that same criteria apply to the guy that he needs to beat out. And and Leone's argument is, hey, every single year these guys these quarterbacks play earlier than everybody anticipates, and I mean that is undeniable, right? But Garoppolo is going to be set up for success too, and if he gets off to a, even a, you know a, a halfway decent start. Um, I think that they're going to be compelled and they're going to have a good team. Like they're going to win games. Really what it, yeah. what it often takes for a quarterback change is like a team starts to lose games. And then it's like, all right, it's time. The San Francisco so, 49ers, 49ers have maybe the worst, the easiest schedule I've ever seen on paper. Yeah, right. I know if you look at the Warren Sharp SOS yeah. chart, it's like every team is kind of like this, you know, and then all of a sudden the 49ers are way up here. Yeah, like in their terms, in terms of their their uh, SOS, like they have by far the easiest schedule in the NFL. I don't know. I mean, like, and, this, and then I want to talk about Joe Burrow after that. This sleeper ADP and their two quarterback redraft leagues right now, Lance is QB twenty two. I mean, you know, we we could go back and forth on where Lance should be, but I think we both have his upside well worth his selection before that, and. I mean, take Jimmy G in the last round. I'm not a big handcuff guy, but if you want to make sure you're filling all those weeks, you know, Lance at a huge discount to where he would go if we knew he was starting. And then Jimmy G basically for free, you know, you can probably get him near the last round. You Again, unless your league makes just try to screw you over with that one. But, you know, even it, or maybe you can go Cam Newton or like some some of these guys that might start and just fill weeks, you know, just buy you time on on Lance. Yeah. Uh, Her- Herzig made a good point too, is that you don't necessarily need to draft Trey Lance um, to, to, I mean, in a two quarterback league, you're, you're going to need him to be, to be in there, but it, let's say, let's just uh, talk about best ball. You know, you don't necessarily, if you're taking another quarterback, you know, with relatively decent uh, draft capital anywhere within the, the first 10 or 11 rounds, um, you don't need Trey Lance. You can draft Trey Lance as your quarterback too, and you're probably not going to need him until like week six. And and by then, I think he'll be in there. You know, again, that's their buy, and I think he'll he'll be in there no later than week seven. So you you can draft him pretty late, and he can still be a big time asset. He could be like a, almost like a league winner for you down the stretch, considering his upside. Yeah, I know everyone wants to talk about Joe Burrow, who I think is definitely in play for one quarterback leagues. But last two quarterback guy I want to mention here, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't really know what to say here. How is he quarterback 32? Every time he's taken the field over the last three years, he's been in play for DFS. And like, obviously, I'm mostly focused on DFS. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick is legit in play every time he starts in DFS over the last three years. And also as a streamer for season long people. I mean, and you could also argue that nowhere that he's been the last few years has the pieces around him that he has. Now, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, De'Ami Brown, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas. I mean, they're so fast. So I don't really understand how Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback 32 uh, at all. I think he would be priority for me in two quarterback leagues if he's really slipping to like the 10th, 11th, 12th round. Um, So that's the last one I'll say on the quote unquote crappy two quarterback options that I like. Evan, go ahead on Burrow, though. Yeah, so I think the numbers, you know, just from a statistical projection standpoint, look really good on paper for Joe Burrow um, for the entirety of the Cincinnati offense on paper, I think, because Zach Taylor is willing to play at, at a, at a fast pace because they're willing to throw the ball with extreme volume. Um, but, you know, then you have the the things that you can't quantify. And this is why spreadsheets are, are ruining the game. They're ruining fantasy football. 
Um, but, but, uh, but Joe Burrow is coming off, not just an ACL tear, but like multi knee ligament tear athleticism is such a big part of his game. The, the way that they went about addressing their offensive line, I think is kind of embarrassing. I mean, you have the worst offensive line in the league for like a decade and look, I love Jamar chase. I think he's an absolute baller, but you know, passing on the chance to draft Panay Sewell, coming back in the second round, drafting Jackson Carmen, who, you know, I'm not an offensive line expert, but everyone that I respect when it comes to offensive line analysis is like, you know, this guy isn't very good. He's coming off. I think it was like a back injury or, or something. Um, and that's like, I mean, they did, I guess they went and got Riley Reef. He's an over 30 guy. He's coming off a, a decent season, but there's a reason that an offensive line like Minnesota's let him go. And historically, he's been a much bigger uh, name than game sort of offensive lineman. I mean, their offensive line isn't going to be good. He's coming off this brutal knee injury. So I don't know. I I, 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 I want to buy in. I, I really do want to buy in. But, man, I, I have these, these reasons for skepticism on him. Yeah. We were yeah, going to do the, the full man versus machine debate on the next episode, and we'll continue to do that. But we can do this one-off man versus machine debate here, Leone, if you want to stand up for the soulless spreadsheets in the Bengals. Adam is allowing us one one early here. Uh, it don't, but I will say Evan's right that it's hard to quantify. I, I had the same issue with Dak Prescott. You know, he's coming back from a really bad ankle injury. And if you, you know, bake in a 5% risk that like it goes to hell because these guys just aren't healthy, you're never going to get them in a draft. But at the same time, that risk does exist. So it's one of those things where it's easier if you're drafting multiple teams, you can kind of just keep your exposures in check. But if you're only drafting a few teams, kind of like a swing for the upside type of guy. I did ask Thorne, Brandon Thorne, about the Bengals O-line, and he said, they're not going to be as bad as last year, but they're still going to be bottom 10. So it's definitely a concern. And there's this weird thing with the ADP where, you know, Burrow's QB nine and that's so rich, but I think his pass catchers are all undervalued. So I'm probably not taking Burrow unless I've taken a pass catcher early, which in two QB league, it'd be flipped. And as a result, I'm probably not taking Burrow in a two QB league. I think he's in the same tier or not that far ahead of the, you know, Tannehill, Brady, those types of guys that are going like, you know, maybe even a round to two full rounds later. Right. Okay. Save this man versus machine. On the next episode, we are going to go through some news and then we will do some more man versus machine debates. I'm going to go ahead and chalk that first one up as a win for Silva. Leone wishy washed his way out of any Joe Burrow takes. <laughs> All right. Good luck in your two QB formats for producer luke for evan for leone i am adam good luck everybody mm -hmm.